0: This is the CMO of GaiaX Vasilia Orfanou. This is our newest podcast series. GaiaX is a newly aspiring rising European association and together with you we can develop a new concept of data infrastructure ecosystem based on the values of openness, transparency, sovereignty and interoperability. Join us today at GaiaX and be part of this technological ecosystem. Good day, this is the CMO, Vasilia of Gaiax. Today, we have uh, here with us a very important guest, uh, an independent board member, Hubert Good morning, Hubert, how are you?
1: I'm fine, Vasilia.
0: <laughs> Good, it's it's a pleasure having you with us today and having the opportunity and the chance to uh, dwell on your expertise on the economy of data sharing. So. Clearly, please let us know, how would you define data economy on your end?
1: Okay, so for me, uh, Vasilia, this started uh, quite a long time ago. At the time, I was uh, advising uh, the CEO of Atos, who has now become the Commissioner for Internal Market and Digital. And I would say this has been also explained in a book I have published with colleagues in March 2020, edited by Springer, and called Deliberately Digital. So what I will tell you now has already been explained in this book. So what is very uh, interesting is that today, especially in the way European Commission has defined the uh, data economy, there is the wish that more data shared. Uh, Typically you see in uh, the document of February 2020 about European strategy for data that only 20% of the data which have been collected are uh, really used without any explanation what it is data economy. So data economy for me, but also or the people with whom I have been working on that since many years, and I am speaking about the Toulouse School of Economy, is the recognition that data plays an important role in the economy as we see it progressing. So, the beginning of it, Vasilia, has been uh, Jean Tirol who has won the Nobel Prize of Economy for this research, explaining it to uh, illustrate what is going on in the payment card market. And Jean Tirole has invented the concept of multi-sided market, on which we will come back later on, if you wish. What does he mean by multi-sided market? So is in front of a market of the credit card. And how does it define itself? You do have you and me having in their pocket a small plastic, which is a credit card. And you have on the other side, and this is why it's called multi-sided, the merchant, which are in their shop having a point of sale and this market can only take off if you and me as using a credit card are sure they will find many merchants accepting their credit card but conversely if the merchant are sure they will see many customers coming with a credit card and therefore in those kind of markets, when the two sides are reaching a significant uh, critical size, then the market can take off. Now, this is the external view of it, and the internal view of it, which is a given that no one is disputing, is that when you use your credit card to buy something, there is an implicit Uh, acceptation that the merchant will know about you much more because in the transaction the data of your transaction will be collected so we can say this is an exchange of service against data you give the data to the merchant and the merchant is giving you the service so that was the beginning of it in the world of business to consumer. Now your question is more related to business to business and therefore we have extended with the Toulouse School of Economy the uh, concept of data sharing into the uh, business uh, environment by explaining how the exchange of data can be valuable for business.
0: And this, Hubert, uh, if I may say so, um, the the current definition, let's say, of the data sharing economy, is also improving or intends to improve the current business model and the business processes as we currently have. But could you take us a little bit through because you have written a specific book as to how the digital transformation creates a more holistic perspective on the business and the technology landscape and how the evolution of of the overall digital business paradigm has given also rise to the data sharing economy?
1: Okay, so this is exactly uh, the, the point. We can see uh, today in uh, the uh, environment, business environment uh, a very strong uh, trend which has been called by the British servitization. Michelin is not anymore selling tires. They are selling number of kilometers on your car Using their tire, Rolls Royce is not anymore selling jet engine. They are selling ton of push in your plane. Servitization means that you go for selling a good into selling a service, and if you go to selling a service, at one point there is no transfer of ownership you are simply buying service from the service company now what is extremely important to understand is that if you go further and further to servitization you will never discover what we can call a platform in other words for a platform to exist you need to have the two sides, remember, the merchant and the customer, need to be, I would say, separated from each other with one third party doing what is done by the credit card platform, which is to offer the service to the merchant and the service uh, to the consumer, but taking the responsibility of keeping this, uh, you know, working and be economically viable, okay? So, in the case of the business sharing, let me take immediately an example, which is an example in one of the Gaiax member, Airbus. Airbus, since three years, four years now, has launched... a a platform which is called skywise which is a very good illustration of data sharing how does it work airbus as you know is creating aircraft and they are selling their aircraft to many airline companies in the world so at this stage we do have a situation where airbus is selling the aircraft And the um, airline company, and they have now 130 of them, so typically United Airlines, EasyJet, are part of a platform which is a Skywise platform. And the deal is like that. Airbus will put in the platform all the data which have been collected during the production of the aircraft sold to EasyJet, but EasyJet as a counterpart will give access to Airbus, to all their flight data, all their operation data, all their customer data. The deal is like that. There is no one, no one company, which can get all the data, which are relevant for airlines, to be efficient so because the business process has been separated between in one hand, the producer of the aircraft on the other hand the companies operating the aircraft if you re uh, re unit the data which are collected by those two sides of the process you are gaining market capability, you are gaining, you are saving cost of operation. Today, Airbus has 130 customers part of Skywise, and they are claiming that by using Skywise, the saving for airline company is 30%, And themselves, they are gaining immensely because by having access to operating uh, cost, they know better how to optimize their uh, aircraft. So, typically, it is a situation where in the book we have called complementary data. You do have two parts of the value chain which are creating data and if they decide to join and to share these data, each of them is making a reduction of cost and is gaining better understanding of the market.
0: Uber if I may ask, you have given a great example of Airbus and the incentives, obviously, to improve their capacity and improve the, the quality of services and even uh, increase um, the, the, uh, the level of, of work that they do with their customers. Uh, if we were to convince why data sharing is important for other companies, for the incentives, which would be the incentives that you would say would be to even engage in such a a formal business model.
1: Okay, so you do have, as soon as you begin to speak about data sharing, two types of incentives. Let me take the one which is the most obvious, but also the less efficient. This is what can be called the one side Platform. So once again, let's give an example. You do have in Germany a company called Here, H-E-R-E, which is in fact a joint venture between BMW, Audi, and Daimler. And this company was created a long time ago, probably five years ago, because these company were not willing to be dependent upon Google for their cartographic data. So they bought a subsidiary of Nokia called Navtech and they decided that using the data accumulated by Navtech, they will be independent from Google. Now, probably three years ago, they made a major decision. And this major decision was to say that each of their vehicle, be it Daimler, be it BMW, be it Audi, will share the data they were collecting as connected cars. So today all these uh, uh, cars do have a permanent connection and therefore they are uh, collecting a lot of data. And why do they do that? because they are all preparing the advent of autonomous driving. And in order to get autonomous driving at level three, four, and five, you need to have all the details of the landscape on the road, whatever be the day of the year, whatever be the hour of the day. And in order to do that, Either each of the manufacturer is collecting their own data and it will take quite a lot of time to get all the European roads and worldwide road registered or they decide to share these data which are not specific to one of them in order to accelerate the coverage of landscape uh, filming. Practically speaking, this is something which is in operation since many years and which is what I would call giving the incentive by volume. So if we want to make it a little bit sketchy but very simple, they do uh, the full collection of landscape filming in three times less if they share their data. That, I would say, is volume incentive but the one i am more interested to promote is the incentive because the data are complementary between the various uh, part of the value chain and this is a very fundamental principle in economy which has been in fact uh, invented by a famous economist uh, in the 30s, 1930s, Mr. Coase, C-O-A-S-E. And he has shown that as soon as you do have a company which is somehow transacting with another company, the fact that they are two different companies cost money every time information has to flow from company A to company B, okay? So uh, basically, if at one point, uh, instead of having one company which is creating aircraft and operating aircraft for economical reason, you separate the two companies, then you have a cost of transaction every time company A is exchanging information with company B. And the way we see this data sharing is like that. It is as if this theorem of cause was really uh, some kind of uh, 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 replaced by, in principle, only one company between A and B to make the cost of transaction equal to zero, while each of the two companies, A and B, were keeping their economical independent and their economical uh, business model. You you see the point? This is to try to reunite the best of the two worlds, uh, full data sharing and independence of the two business models of company A and B. And so, practically speaking, and this goes, very far because there is also a lot of European value in sharing and this is something I can answer if you wish later on but anytime we do that kind of data sharing the incentive is to have access to this benefit of a zero cost transaction between the two parties.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Hubert, U- um, while I was I was listening to you, I could clearly understand the benefits of data sharing, um, optimizing internal processes, uh, decrease the relevant costs. Uh, enhance um, industry collaboration and cross-industry collaboration, uh, making sure um, that the the work between the the user and the provider is is brought together. However, there is still some reluctancy on on data sharing. And I would like us to discuss and even take upon your expertise on why there is a reluctancy from companies to engage in data sharing. Is this the result of the visible regulatory discussion around it? Is it the fact that um, there is a need to advance uh, data access and ownership? There is an issue with ownership debate what is the problem and the reluctance on behalf of companies to even engage um, in data sharing and even um, and even uh, let's say share their data with intermediary intermediaries as, as data platforms uh, data platforms because they're going to be the future as well to support this transaction this this online transaction so which would be you know the major hurdles that you see from a company. Um, set up to engage in data sharing
1: okay so my view is that when we come to business data sharing we are not starting from zero we are starting from minus 100 why because for at least now 10 years because of the multi-sided market In the business to consumer, we have seen a situation where by bringing very attractive services, platform companies have managed to convince us to share our data. And it is a little bit like opening. The cork of a wine uh, uh, bottle, you open it, and then all the wine flows. That has been the trend. That has been the fact that there was no capability to do data usage control between the two sides of the platform. That has been done intentionally by the GAFAM, okay? And from there, they have been able to get the data in the first place and then to reuse them for purposes which had nothing to do with the service they have rendered in the first place, right? we can say that gdpr has tried to repair that situation but in my opinion in a very inefficient way and from there we are starting at minus 100 for business to business data sharing so what are the big hurdles in the business to business data sharing And this is not something new because this is something we are repeating since the inception of GaiaX. So the first one has been the uh, portability of data and the portability of of, uh, process. That I would say is understood by everyone, probably more sophisticated is interoperability so typically as we usually say if we want to do data sharing in the health sector and if philips which is using amazon wants to exchange data with sanofi which is using google interoperability means that the fact that these two companies are not using the same cloud service provider should not be an obstacle to their capability to exchange. Now, the biggest uh, challenge, the biggest hurdle is data usage control. What does it mean? It means that the two companies, A and B, decide that they want to share data for this and that kind of services, and that we can offer a way to make absolutely sure technically that the data, as it is used by the one company receiving the data from the other, that it will only use it for the purpose which has been defined by what we can call a smart contract. So data usage control is absolutely fundamental into that. And until and unless we establish as GAIA-X that we can define data usage control, smart contract, and we can operate them automatically, you will see those kind of reservation, reticency to share data. And unfortunately, uh, the way uh, today, DSA and DMA, so it's primarily DMA for us, are operating on that is, uh, I would say, in the right direction, but by far not at the level which is expected by the various uh, partners. So that's why all the label strategy we have defined in GaiaX, which is making this data usage control much more sophisticated, is required as a must by the uh, customers uh, of this data sharing.
0: Yes, yes. this this has been a really intriguing discussion, Hubert. Thank you very much again. My pleasure. Uh, (laughs) Thank you again and I hope we are able to see you once again in the next two months and uh, obviously shedding more light um, on the panel discussion uh, within our summit, uh, which will happen between the 17th and 18th of November of this year. Thank you again.
1: Okay. Thank you, Vasilia. Bye.